Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Brian J. Rowan, your host for the Film Stage Show. Before we begin this episode, just wanted to let you know that there were some technical difficulties that cropped up around the beginning of the review. I have edited around them as best as they can be edited around, and hopefully you are still able to enjoy this to the fullest extent that it is possible. So sit back, relax, pop on your VR goggles, and get ready to hear us talk about Ready Player One by Steven Spielberg. Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial of MUBI, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. City like a big playground when suddenly Batman burst from the shade and hit Godzilla with a bat grenade. Godzilla got pissed and began to attack, but didn't expect to be blocked by Shaq. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for the filmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today to talk about the newest film from director Steven Spielberg, Ready Player One, we have Michael Snydell. Hello. Bill Graham. Woo! And a special guest today, Jamie Smith. Hello. Hello, Jamie. Why don't you take some time to introduce yourself to our listeners? Over the music? Yeah, I'll fade it out for you. Okay. There you go. Hi. um, So I'm Jamie. I'm a co-host of a couple of shows on the Unspoiled Network, which is a podcast network where you basically... There, we have a we have a th- I'm sorry I totally blanked on our our like catchphrase <laughs> your tagline yes <laughs> it's experience your favorites for the first time again basically so like I do a show on Lost and my co-host has never seen it and didn't know anything about it when we started oh, we also God. do the Vampire Diaries and the Punisher and then on the network there's Harry Potter the Leftovers. Westworld, Jessica Jones, all kinds of stuff. They did Game of Thrones, like everything. If you ever dip back into the old school sitcoms, let me know when you hit Frasier. <laughs> I would love to be the expert on Frasier. We have talked about doing sitcoms, but we realized it would be really difficult to just talk about like, yeah, that joke was funny. <laughs> you know, it's hard to talk yeah, about sitcoms. Yeah. I still want to talk about the OC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's right. <laughs> Michael and I were going to have a podcast where we just talked about uh, the OC. I mean, Whatever happened to that? Should. Did we just sober up? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Honestly, I think people would listen. People have a lot of nostalgia for that show. Yeah, man. I mean, that, that was our thought. I was like, you know, I only saw like three episodes, but I kind of liked it. And Michael was like, <laughs> we should do it. And we should do it live over an episode of the OC. So it's like a running commentary. And we're just trashed. And I was like, yes, yes, this is perfect. But it's we never did it. It's not a terrible idea. Their podcasts have been built like, on worst. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. All right. So welcome to the show. Uh, for everyone listening, as always, uh, review and subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a comment and a rating. Uh, it's pretty great when you do that because it helps us to know how we're doing. Um also, follow us on Twitter, at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Email us, podcast, filmstage.com. 
Go to Patreon.com and become a member of our Slack channel by giving as little as $1 an episode to help us produce great content. Last week we had a classic review with our guest Scout Tafoya talking about Tuki Buki, and that is only possible because of people like you who give money to us that allows us to feel justified in wasting even more of our time talking into microphones about movies. In addition, we're brought to you by Movie. The online streaming cinema. Every day, movie puts up another film for you to enjoy. You have 30 days to enjoy it. So you have a constantly rotating selection of 30 films to check out. Uh, we've got some got some good stuff coming to movie. Um, I don't usually just read their copy that they give me. But uh, I'm going to do it this time. <clears throat> Our biggest highlight for the week is this weekend's release of Philippe Carell's Trilogy of Love. We're so excited for the exclusive streaming premiere of our movie release, Lover for a Day, fresh from theaters, and thrilled to be pairing it with Gorel's past two films, Jealousy and In the Shadow of Women, each shot in lustrous black and white celluloid and told with brisk concision of the finest 19th century novellas. This collection perfectly embodies Gorel's gift for capturing the anguish, beauty, and complexity of love. And for something on the opposite end of the spectrum, we also have a Harmony Corinne double, Harmony Corinne double feature, including Mr. Lonely and Trash Humpers. Thanks and hope you have a wonderful weekend. Oh my. Yeah, so there's some crazy stuff coming to movie. So if you'd like a free 30-day trial to check it out for yourself, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. And that is all that we have. So now we can uh, just jump right into Ready Player One. Is everybody excited? Mm. Is everybody amped? (laughs) Has anyone read this book? Yes. No. (laughs) I heard the book was really good. (laughs) It's it's interesting because the book had a had a a kind of a journey of its own um it came out it was kind of a quiet success it got a lot of attention um and it was fairly popular for a bit and then like all of the gamergate stuff started to kind of uh happen and all of a sudden because the book came out in 2011 and so i think i'm not sure what the timeline of gamergate was but it was somewhere I think a few years after that and then all of a sudden kind of the attitude and ideas about the book kind of change because there's a lot of regressive things in in kind of the novel and you know it follows a white character who finds like this mystical other white woman um and so yeah it's it's a it's like 700 pages, I believe. Dear and God. it actually, it actually like flies by, uh, once you actually get into the Easter egg hunt kind of atmosphere and everything like that, once the game really kind of begins. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it's, it, it's so heavy on nostalgia that it, it's almost like mind numbing. Um, yeah, what at I'd, times. What I'd heard about the book was that it was it was like fun and good and it's like really great for stuff like if you're into games and movies and things. And then like the Gamergate thing happened. I I want to mm-hmm. say like end of 2014, beginning of 2015. February and, 2013 was when the Zoe Quinn stuff started. Okay, so I was off okay. by a year. But yeah, so that happened and um it made people realize that like 
dumb boys stuck in their basement playing video games could actually be horrible fucking assholes when they band together, which is um, what this uh, book and this movie is all about. So it does give it a bit of a darker tinge, but uh, this is the movie, and we'll see if they took mm-hmm. any of that into uh, account when they decided to make it. Um, it also It also is fair to say... Or I, I think it's fair to say as well that like the so-called I, I don't know if it's a sequel or not, but Armada, his following the following book by Ernest Klein seems like that was something that came out in 2015. And when that came out, I remember immediately yeah, that just like, being oh, like this fucking is horrifically panned. Yeah. And then that kind of seems like at that point that a lot of the writing started to show up on places like Twitter and Tumblr. Of Ready Player One, <laughs> people looking back at it. Yeah, it was it was ripe for mockery. Um, yeah, but that's the book. Uh, it's good that we have Bill here who's read it, so maybe he can answer some questions if we have any. Oh Jesus! That's gonna be. <laughs> I think job. I've read it around 20, 2011, So, uh, <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll, my infamous uh, knowledge base is going to be tested here. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Um, because I have a mind of a goldfish, so here we go. I don't know if you have the mind of a fish, but definitely, like, the memory of a goldfish. But, you know. Yes, sorry. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so here we are, ready to talk about Ready Player One. Here is the trailer. Come with me. This is the... It's a place where the limits of reality are your own imagination. People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do, but they stay because of all I'm here talking to all of you now because our future is being threatened. Go, go, go! I just came here to escape bigger than myself. I found my friends. Alright, so that's the trailer for Ready Player One. Um, basic plot rundown. <laughs> Wade Watts is a young man who regularly enters a massive virtual reality computer simulated infinite world known as the Oasis in uh, it's VR. 20, <laughs> yeah. 2045 America. And, you know, and he has left an Easter egg that will grant its possessor full control of the Oasis. Um, Wade wants which to is a multi-trillion to, dollar company. Yeah, yeah, and the crazy expensive company that goes with it. And the eminently evil Ben Mendelsohn wants to find the eggs so that they can put up pop-up ads, and that is a threat that cannot be allowed <laughs> to stand. And so we have Ready Player One, a uh, t- an adventure story that hops between reality and virtual reality, just loaded with uh, with references to stuff from not the characters childhoods or maybe even our childhoods but somebody's childhood so anyway let's say what we all thought about the movie um we'll do very brief brief reactions to begin with general thoughts and then we can dive into stuff and then we'll have a spoiler section so jamie smith what are your thoughts uh, on Ray i thought Player it was One? i thought it was way too long i yes. actually checked my phone four times i never do that it felt like it felt like I've been watching this movie since the 80s. <laughs> Otherwise, it was all right. I mean, I, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Um, I, I think one thing I, w- I want to kind of note and kind of uh, discuss about this film is that there's a lot of nostalgia going on and there's a lot of pretty visuals and I enjoyed a lot of the set pieces. Uh, the race in the middle is, is quite fun. Um, but I think there's something really interesting in how this nostalgia is tinged in this movie um we never really get a lot of like the joy that is apparent in the books and i was wondering and you know we'll obviously have time to discuss this but i was wondering if that's an intentional thing by steven spielberg or if that's kind of an unintentional thing because i mean even the creator of the oasis who's played by mark rylance uh his character is like doesn't seem to be all that happy about anything and I'm not sure if that's just simply because he's kind of insular and, you know, uh, likes his video game so much, or if that's like, he's just kind of depressed and he wishes that he could live in the eighties or inside of, uh, I don't know, asteroid or something like that. So I think there's an interesting thing that's kind of going on with this film where Yes, there's a lot of pop culture references to the 80s and 90s, and yes, it's very on the nose, but at the same time, it doesn't seem to have like a lot of the joy um, that I would expect, especially at the heart of the film. So I think there's something interesting going on with this film that a lot of people aren't quite giving it credit for, but yeah, this movie's long, and there's... Like a lot of it doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. And especially for people that haven't read the book, there's a lot of questions that you probably are left with. So, all right, Michael Snydell. You know, uh, what Bill started with is basically the thing that I, I would like to say that I like about this movie. I did not like this movie. Uh, I, I don't think it's very good. But I think that it is interesting at least for the first third because it's so uneasy with its own identity uh the very fact that at times as bill was saying there isn't really any joy with the time spent in the oasis that uh, that so much of this is is set in such a like a perfunctory way that doesn't feel messy. Like this is still very much Spielberg. He knows how to move the camera, you know, when he's somersaulting through, you know, uh, long zooms and, you know, this, this rushing energy. I mean, like that is there, but it is all in service of this movie that is constantly like defying its own, thesis like like the sense is that the fact of the matter is that the source material of this even having not read it like i i can say that it's ideas you know it's basic ideas if this movie it follows the same thread as the book is they are ideas that even before me too even before you know a, a resurgence of like uh, feminism in in the mainstream, like these are things that would feel incredibly dated and uh, borderline toxic. Like, but and that's the weird thing about this movie is early on it seems to have such a 
a hatred for this technology, you know, making jokes about, like, uh, people who might commit suicide when they do bad in the Oasis. Or, or, you know, like, I I think of this one line early Mm -hmm. on where they say that uh, the person who found the first challenge, which is, like, propelling everyone in this world towards, like, this goal, like, is completely forgotten. And there's, I think, a number of kernels throughout this movie that kind of point to, like, who knows what Spielberg actually thinks about this? So then it's so frustrating to me that those second second two-thirds then seem to succumb so, so readily to every possible trope. And I kept expecting that some turn would come here. Something along the lines of Scott Pilgrim, something along the lines of Lego movies, something along the lines of, you know, the Congress or anything. And it never comes. Like, it, it creates this fantasy that that seems from the beginning to constantly be slanted and then decides it's easier to just see it through because you got to give everybody what they want. <laughs> and so it's... It's it's fascinating, but also a really bad and frustrating movie. And you, but I don't know how much of that is the source material, and how much of like maybe this was the best version of this movie. As depressing a thought as that is, I think that that's that's wrong. Um, I think that when you buy the rights to a book you can sort of do whatever you want to it um and i think not, that like not when the author is writing the script i mean let's well let's yeah be clear that's the thing that. you don't hire him to do that like you sure. take this <laughs> and you give it to like tom stoppard or fucking david mamet and just say here's an idea that we needed to buy this book to be able to exploit what can you do with it and just like See what that mad genius comes up with. Just give them like two weeks for an outline and pay them $20,000 if you're not willing to like put that much money into it. But like, give it to the Wachowski sisters. I want to see their version. What? Bad Michael. (laughs) (laughs) I am sorry, but first of all, they already did the Matrix. We don't need them. And Speed Racer. Which rules? They already did Speed Racer. (laughs) So we don't need them to do that again. And Jupiter Ascending was a hot mess. And I just think that's a terrible idea. Um, All right, continue. Give it to the Cohen brothers. Yeah, there's a good idea. Michael, be more like Jamie. Um, that would have been really fascinating and weird. Right. You give it to Instead someone. Instead of just kind of boring and weird. Precisely. You give it to yeah. someone who has an interest in humanity <laughs> and the interactivity between people. And you let them kind of go to town in this strange world. And see what they come up with. Because this movie, I'm just going to say it. This movie looks terrible. This movie is terrible. This movie doesn't feel like a Spielberg film. It definitely fucking feels like a Janusz Kaminski film, though. And it oh God. It also, it's it's just bad. It's And the funny thing is, like, I am sort of in the, the sweet spot for who should be into this movie. I am a 30-year-old straight white male. <laughs> And so I should be like an easy lay for a movie like this. But I found myself infuriated because every time that I saw something that used to be important to me, I somehow saw the worst version of it or a version of it that didn't respect it. So even on 
the level of like dumb wank service for a person like me this movie just fails so it fails as a story it fails as an action adventure it fails as any kind of commentary on the way that we use the internet or virtual reality or video games and then it fails just to be the ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny but directed by steven spielberg and only things that (laughs) warner brothers could get the rights to i mean it's just it's infuriating and i hate this movie um so that's my brief thoughts and I don't know. Let's talk about it. It also doesn't help that I had the worst theater experience of my life last night. Oh, Jesus. Bill, I don't know if you saw the thread I put on Twitter, but it legitimately took an hour for the movie to begin. Brent, Jamie Jamie was saying something. Yes. All right, Jamie, what were you going to (laughs) say? I'm just wondering if the problem was the writing or if it was Spielberg. Like, maybe Steven Spielberg was not the right person to make this movie. Well, it, it, it's interesting you. that you it, it, it's interesting that you say that because in some ways he's absolutely the right person and in some ways he's absolutely the wrong person because this film is so indebted to nostalgia that outright Ernest Klein, like I, I went to the Alamo and they always have like this pre-show stuff where they do a lot of like, you know, uh, if they have access to the people, they'll do interviews and kind of clip it in and kind of show like what the inspiration was. And, you know, they'll show like little clips of like other movies and other TV shows that this film is likely to reference or whatever. Um, and this one had a, a couple of interviews with Ernest Klein where he was basically like, Steven Spielberg is a god to me and like I grew up loving his movies and so for him to be the director of my book is amazing and it's just like yeah that's that's not what we want we want we don't necessarily want the person that's creating the nostalgia to also be the one that's creating the movie about the nostalgia about himself like that's he's gonna that just seems like the snake eating the snake and it's yes i understand what you're about to say brian unless he's going to kind of tweak and modify and maybe even tweak his own kind of uh bigger than life kind of you know uh impact right? right it's a chance for introspection but he's not that kind of guy no, i just i just and and the other thing is that he has long ago gotten away from making these kind of big budget action adventure science fiction fantasy films right um I mean, I can't remember the last big movie that he directed that I really enjoyed. He's gone towards the art house side, and I think he's kind of lost a little bit of of his edge as far as, you know, the Jurassic Parks, the Jaws, the the things that he really kind of staked his name on, the ETs of the world. I wouldn't call the poster like Bridge of Spies art house, but they're definitely not spectacle films. Like he he has matured. Tintin is probably the last spectacle film yeah and i didn't i didn't really enjoy tintin um i can't fucking look at that movie oh my god uh but like so that's the thing is he hasn't been doing these kind of films right i mean the bfg is kind of the closest thing and that was kind of an an utter failure um and so i think 
he just hasn't been on his game for making these kind of films and he's coming in and he's like all right so y'all are just gonna throw this like you're gonna softball toss this right down the middle and i can hit it right and everybody's like yeah steven and i think he he just he hit a line drive and it was just like oh okay that's not what we wanted from you so i don't know for someone like, who like, doesn't know baseball yeah. what does that mean <laughs> you're expecting uh, the guy to be able to run all the bases and then get back to the base he began at and get a point but instead okay. he merely got to the first of three bases and put no so it's a single yeah it's okay a single yes <laughs> thank you <laughs> there you go i That's- think i think on paper having steven spielberg do this makes a certain amount of sense absolutely but i think it's impossible for him to have the kind of nostalgia about his body of work that a fan does so you think with spielberg i'm gonna get to see jaws i'm gonna see some indiana jones references there's none of that there's a Mm. tyrannosaurus rex yeah you you would need like a jj abrams basically to come in and and do what he jj abrams would have been good for this this is this is what he loves and he also loves like pools of light and lens flare, so he would have been perfect. <laughs> oh my god! It would have looked exactly the same. For anyone who doesn't know, I've recently decided to drop any pretense that I enjoy Janusz Kaminski's cinematography. <laughs> so get ready for a lot of that. Um, or you need someone like Neville Dean and Taylor to come in and just be crazy anarchists oh who don't my give a god. shit about anything. No, no. Think about how interesting this movie would be if it was someone who was like all the people in this movie, informed by the aesthetics and, like, cool of everything, but had no way sure. to manage tone. But, like, but this doesn't manage tone at all. The, the tone is the It manages is, tone is by having no tone. Like, I think that's the yes. problem. I think this movie plays it so goddamn safe. See, I, it's such a mishmash, yeah. I agree with you guys, but I don't... I think it is more characteristically Spielberg than we're giving it credit for. I mean, especially if we want to talk about, uh, I, I mean, without getting into spoilers, I think especially in the second and third act as this shifts a little bit, I mean, you are getting into hijinks that you expect out of like early Spielberg. It, it is lesser recycled right, Spielberg, problem, but like, though. no, I know, but like yeah. that stuff, he f- feels very loose. And I think, I think Jamie was onto something great though when she was saying that like, you know, the T-Rex is like the only uh, arguably Spielberg thing in this. Like he approaches this with such a remove that's, that's like, but it doesn't, I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that it's like a art house or like a middle brow approach. I think he's still throwing himself into this. And again, like he can kind of do this in his sleep, but like, I still think that he's contending with like the fundamental themes of the novel. Like you think of these references and, and it's interesting to me. Um, sorry, I'm not trying to derail. I just want to say briefly, I, I think it's really interesting that so many people are mentioning sampling. And, and I've heard some people compare this to something like, uh, you, you know, uh, Paul's Boutique, the the Beastie Boys album or. Um, no, no, y- no. You know, That's a brilliant album. Don't don't do that. <laughs> I know. Or, or <laughs> for sure. But, but what I'm saying is like the strange the strange thing, again, about all of these references is they're completely static. Actually, Charles Bromesco, our, our recent guest, got into this in The Guardian talking about, you know, you, you can't have. uh 
Shit, I almost got into spoilers. The point being that the characters who appear, they they don't have the identity of those characters. No, they don't. Just, and that annoys just, the shit out of me. <laughs> they just ex- exist as the skins. They, like, um, it's not actually a sample. It's like it, it's it's not something recognizable beyond uh, like an, an appearance. And it's, it's an, like almost interesting as like this bizarre thought experience, but also like is made in such a way that feels so clinical that it, it, it's you know it's it's playing. I, it's the playroom with everything on display that you can't actually play with. Like, so I think it's when I was a when I was a young lad, I had a lot of different toys of different things. <laughs> I had my army men, I had my GI Joes, I had some Jurassic Park figurines, and I had my Ninja Turtles and a bunch of other stuff. And so, like, me and my friends would play with all of those things together. We'd mix them up, and we'd have like crazy adventures where GI Joe. And the army men are fighting like the Ninja Turtles and one of the other things that I mentioned that I can't remember now. (laughs) But the funny thing is that we spent a good amount of time before the game began trying to figure out why would the G.I. Joe be fighting the Ninja Turtles when they should ostensibly be on the same team. (laughs) Like we put a lot of thought into it. And so we were like, well, what if Shredder was mind controlling G.I. Joe and because he's bigger than all the army men, he's controlling them. And then somehow they all end up in Jurassic Park and then they have to help Alan Grant. Like, we still wanted to keep the logic of those things alive because otherwise we were just a a mutant ninja turtle fighting a dude in an army uniform while a T-Rex stomped through. Which is not as cool as making all the characters the same and being able to see how these things that we love for the reason that they are like a living, breathing embodiment of an ideal that we like doing something together it's it's like it's like the avengers movies as as much shit as i give those the characters are reasonably logically internally consistent and don't shift when they all happen to get together but this is like the cinematic equivalent of of throwing on a batman uniform and, or uniform costume and then robbing a 711 like you're not really being true to the character that you're trying to inhabit and thus it's 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 right up there with and it still bugs me my nephew will come up to me and be like, this is Batman. He's going to go kill the president. And I'm just like, Batman wouldn't do that, Liam. <laughs> and, and this movie has a lot of that. And it also annoys me. Like, if I'm going to see a movie like this, I want someone to be as clever as I was as like a five-year-old. You know, I want, I want to see those things come to life. But there are so many moments in this movie, and we can get into them in spoilers, because like, if you're going to go see this, I guess you want to see it and see those references for yourself. But there's so many of them that were infuriatingly underplayed or played wrongly that at some point I just began to wonder, like, who is this Ernest Klein? And how has he tricked people into thinking that he's a fan of things or likes things? Like, how, <laughs> how did people let him speak for them when this movie gets so many things fundamentally wrong? Well, I'd say it's like played as if he kind of hates every all of these things. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> he's Which like, I think that's more Spielberg than necessarily Klein. He's I, like, I really love the way this what looks, was but saying. wouldn't it be cooler if it was evil or bad in some <laughs> way? Like, wouldn't it be great if the lesson hmm. that they learned at the end of that movie never happened, and so we got to keep the gigantic kill machine? <laughs> there's like a lot. There's a lot of things like that, and it's that mixture of. 
we haven't even gotten to the plot of this movie which ma- and the world of the movie, which makes no sense. But it's that mixture of like poor writing just in terms of pure narrative and in terms of your references and in Steven Spielberg's I, like somnambulant direction. Like I really don't feel like he enjoyed doing this. Like I feel as though he just wanted a hit because he was tired of his bigger movies not performing as well as they should. Weird. Well, weird. I, I mean, this is, a lot of this kind of goes back to how much of this is even him directing. I mean, you know, you think about how much of this film actually fucking takes place in the Oasis. And I mean, look, like there's there's animation directors and, you know, Pixar and everything like that. But like, I just wonder and, and you know, we mentioned Tintin as one of his last big like action adventure films. So certainly he's dabbled in kind of. I guess this style of just stylized uh, virtual reality. I, I don't even know what to call Tintin. Fuck, fuck that movie. Um, but I will hear nothing bad about Tintin this podcast. Tintin's really good. It's not like uh, a great movie. I hate looking at it. Here's the, I hate here's looking the difference at it. between like this and Tintin, though. Tintin, like that crazy hotel flood sequence, you oh can God, easily yes. track all of those things. And when I sat there watching that, I was like, Spielberg mapped this out. Spielberg wanted us to know where everything is. And then you open this movie mm-hmm. with a car chase that's like 400 cars strong. And, and I'm just like, there's no coherent. way that Spielberg could have said, now I want to make sure that here this happens. Like, so at some point, hmm. he, they must have just said, the like, scale. Right, just fucking yeah. go for it. Like, I don't care what happens. But remember, at the end of this, we need these two characters here. <laughs> and it And it just comes off that way. Like, the fact that this... The, the, I the... so fundamentally disagree with that. All right. Well, you have that right as an American. I, I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Was There's... was this mocap? All yeah. of this animation stuff? Is it I, mocap? And that's, oh, I don't that's know. My, that's my question. I, I really don't know. And I don't honestly, like, I can't see it being that that beneficial because a, like so many of these people in this film are so generic that it's just like hey, they're they're not really given a hell of a performance, you know. And 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 at even one point there's there's mention of a uh, an emotion suppressing device that I was just like, holy shit, really? <laughs> like I, I guess <laughs> have they had it takes, on the whole time? Because he takes off his uh. like glasses at some point, so his character stops like responding as him, and then the bad guy's like, obviously you're using an emotion suppressant, so I can't read. No, your blah, there was blah. a dial. He turned it yeah, down. Yeah. Oh, there was. Yeah, there's a dial. Yeah. yeah. It's even yeah, yeah, crazier. Yeah. Because I thought it was just. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was like, I can take this off. And he's just, you know how like sometimes you're on the phone and you mute it sure. because you have to cough. And the person on the other end is like, oh, my God, are you mad at me? Like, I thought <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. There's just like a brief pause. No, 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 no. Yeah, there's there's definitely like a button. Like it's a, it's a, I think it's like legitimately like what? a fucking lever what or something like that. if you like turn that, it all so. the way up? Do you become like the mask? <laughs> <laughs> the mask. Uh, yeah, that's like, what was uh, missing from this movie was look, Jim Carrey. There's, there's a Jim lot Carrey, missing yeah. from this movie, and I think that would have been really good. <laughs> I don't know. Like, um, it, here's I, did anyone did anyone who likes any of the things that appear in this movie feel that those things were represented well? The DeLorean that was that was represented well. Yeah, I guess I, so. The the Kira bike, sure, Bigfoot. Um, 
you know oh god bill you know what for a second i i thought you meant like the forest sasquatch bigfoot yeah and (laughs) i I know as soon as i said that i i was i was like i think i think i'm gonna lose somebody that's that's a nightmare scenario of this film as well is and and i was listening to a podcast uh as i was headed back from the theater uh today and they were mentioning how a lot of this stems from having this like knowledge base of the 80s and 90s and who is this film for and also by the way if you make this knowledge base on the 80s and 90s and you make a reference to something super geeky but something that maybe half your audience or fucking more of your audience has no idea about um i'm I'm gonna just say one thing uh gundam a lot of people don't know what the fuck a gundam is right that's why it's only in the movie for 12 seconds sure but you're gonna lose a lot of people and they're just gonna be like is is this cool is this not cool? I don't know what's going on here. Who is this character? What is this thing? You know? And so you can make a reference like that where it's just like, oh, this is going to definitely hit like, like all the geeky buttons. And it's like, okay, but is this like, it all goes back to like Comic Con and like, who are you trying to sell this fucking movie to? Are you trying to sell it to a bunch of geeks? Or are you trying to sell it to a mass audience? Like well, you I don't spend that, um, $175 million to sell it to just geeks, right? Well, that's like, what, what I think they were going for, Bill, is is exactly what Comic-Con is, which is like when you look at the cosplays, every once in a while, you know, you'll have your Indiana Jones, you'll have your Mortal Kombat, you have like your tears mm-hmm. of obscurity. Yeah. And so I mm-hmm. think that's why they were like, okay, we give him the DeLorean, because everyone's going to know what the DeLorean is. Um, and then we sure. like get more granular as we go down, like the Iron Giant. Most people know what the mm-hmm. Iron Giant is, so that's why they're like, oh, cool, you have an Iron Giant. And then you get towards the end, and you you throw in like a Gundam and a Chucky doll, and you hope for the best. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, I just... You know what's funny is like Chucky is literally the character who probably is the best represented in this movie. <laughs> And I just realized that. It's the that. one time I laughed. Yeah. I was uh, like, it, it was it was genuinely funny to see him, it pop up. It was it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean he I guess he's 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 had he's had children, so I guess it's definitely a guy. Yeah, where a was male? his bride? Was she like home? I, I, I don't I don't know. Home with they the couldn't get the rights taking, to taking her. the day <laughs> <laughs> taking the day off. We I didn't get uh, the rights to Bride of Chucky or Seed of Chucky. <laughs> we were only allowed to use Chucky one. I, I have a I have a question for what does represented well mean to you? Okay, so like I feel like that could mean a lot of things. I guess like if you like when you dream about meeting something from a movie I believe that most people anyway would want to meet the thing from that movie. So like this movie, for instance, has King Kong in it, but it's like Peter Jackson's King Kong, you know? I thought about that too. And I was like, why wouldn't you use the original 1930s King Kong? Like that seems like the thing, because like the King Kong is the first movie that I loved. And so I was like, yeah, it makes sense that King Kong is in here. But then I was like, oh, God, it's the Gorilla King Kong. It's not weird, more humanoid, like, ape god King Kong. And that just bummed me out because I'm like, are they trying to say that? Are they trying to say One that, is better? Like, well, I, well I, I, I just confused me because I like no one. 
no one that I know anyway, is really like, you know what's my favorite movie? 2005's Peter Jackson's King Kong. Just that <laughs> character is indelible because that character is simply a gorilla. And I just wondered, like, could they not get the rights or do they honestly believe this is the best one? Like, what is, and it, since this whole challenge was created by a character who we only get to know post-mortem, mm. I kept wondering, like, what do all of these things that they are doing say about him? And is that something I'm supposed to be getting? Because, like, if it's saying, like, this is a guy who preferred Peter Jackson's King Kong, then I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's... See, that's the other thing, like, even before you get into a question of what Holiday's motivations are, is, like, uh, again, like, you could also say this is intentional and it's trying to show a complete failure of imagination Mm -hmm. in this whole generation. But in order – and that's honestly where I thought this movie was going (laughs) for the first 30 to 45 minutes, which I I don't know what that says – about what I was expecting, or, or, or I guess it says how little I knew about the source material. But, like, in order to do that, it needed to also have, you know, some larger conversation about gatekeeping. Something, mm-hmm. it, it's some self-awareness that goes beyond uh, a piece of dialogue here and there, or a strange clinical view towards these this ephemera that goes beyond like this is actually a horror movie like like that is that is what again like is the most interesting and the most fundamental (laughs) problem for this movie uh, for me is that like go ahead well for me i think one of the fundamental problems of the movie is that it doesn't it 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 both gets a certain section of fanism fandom um but it it misses the other because like if you if we'll all think back to december of 2017 one of the biggest non-race or gender related reasons that people hated the last jedi was that they believed that luke skywalker was acting out of character which is Mm -hmm. the one thing that i can understand as far as a criticism of that movie because that's an emotional reaction that you really can't help yourself with if you were hoping to see clad in white farm boy luke skywalker swing in and say it's time to teach the new order a lesson huzzah let's you know it's like shooting womp rats with my teeth speed whatever i'm not a good star wars fan um oh, sure but like basically it's like he doesn't feel real to me okay understandable so like people have a violent reaction to seeing something that they love done incorrectly and i feel like this movie never really addresses that because mm-hmm. Everyone just seems to agree that it's all about the look and the cool. And I think that like a better movie would probably be like a guy who has no idea what any of this shit means. And perhaps you keep Artemis as like the person who knows everything. Like, you know, it's like Halliday's sure. dead and like everyone's like, like, first of all, the fact that everyone apparently cried when he died was weird to me. Um, but like, what if the guy who decides that he wants to try to win the Oasis is like a tech nerd who has no interest in the game itself mm-hmm. and loved Halliday? And he's like, well, I've read all of his biographies and like, blah, blah, blah. I know everything about his personal life. And then Artemis jumps in and she's like, well, I know everything about all of his pop culture obsessions. And then you have like a nice little duality, like a team that has a common goal and they can like kind of work together but this is just two people shouting references that they both get 
at each other. And so there's no like insert character and there's no one that you can kind of feel more in tune with. And obsessed with the references of a single individual. Right. That's what the whole movie comes down to. They haven't formed (laughs) their own tastes. So you never get people who are like Star Trek. No Star Wars. It's like, well, which one did Halliday like? And it's like, well, we don't have the rights to either of those, so neither. Like, <laughs> Not oh, true. Great. There were Star Trek things on his little funeral video. Oh, that's right. And oh, there damn. were Star Wars references because the Millennium Falcon is definitely referenced. Oh, is it? That's now, right. how, yeah, how, but not yes. seen. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, not seen. They did have the Battlestar Galactica, though, which... Mm-hmm. Yes. Started rewatching uh, that show. That's good stuff. Yeah, that should be brilliant. Oh, um, Let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's interesting because ultimately I'm curious how y'all reacted to the world building of this film because I think it fails on a lot of fronts, especially having read the book. And look, this movie is, what, two hours and 20 minutes? It's already kind of pushing the scales of like – how much you can pack in. And I will mention that this film actually does a decent job of like keeping pace. Now, how much you enjoy that ride is kind of up for discussion, but for two hours and 20 minutes, I didn't feel like, like this film was, was so long that it, that it was like it lost momentum. I feel like this film does a, decent job of like keeping momentum but it still is like so long that you're still like okay like (laughs) when are we gonna get to the end of this thing because we have such a clear well we have such a clear objective that this film obviously has to get to Mm -hmm. um and then you know it's like stated objective get these three keys it's like Okay, so that's what this movie's going to be, you know. There there's no way to get around that. So it it kind of loses some of its potency when it when it comes to that. But I'm just curious about how y'all felt about like the world building and stuff like that. Jamie, would you like I, to kick us off? Yeah, I just felt like nothing was really explained. It's a Thank really you. long movie and they didn't take any time for exposition except at the very beginning, which again was not explained well. What is this world? Why are they living in these stacks of trailers? What happened for this to be the world? How come everybody can afford this VR? And then what is the motivation of this IOI company other than they want to put pop-up ads up to the point where you'd start having seizures? Which is... which is like the craziest plan because I I feel like no one would use it. I thought that was brilliant honestly. <laughs> no like so so like I I feel like the way to make this movie correctly would be like we're going to start selling native advertising. You know? We're going to we're going to boxes or we're going to crack down on the skins that people can use because they're copyright infringement. But instead sure. this movie's like we're going to go up to the point of giving people seizures by sending them porn ads. Well, they almost seizures. Like that's that's that was a very <laughs> yeah. detailed thing that they mentioned was that this is how many how many we can add before they have a seizure. Um, but I, I do think uh, two sides of that. All right. Um, 
there's Facebook going on right now, and there's a lot of controversy around that. And I see a lot of people that are worried about it that won't delete it because it's such an integral part of their life now. Now, if you imagine that in this world that they've set up in this movie and in this book, that the Oasis is this thing where literally people cried over the creator passing away. Uh, they have like a global competition to win the whole fucking rights to this thing. And everybody, like everybody is in a trailer or whatever doing all of this stuff. And you get control over it and you add pop-up ads. I got news for you. People are still going to fucking use it because just like Facebook, there's a lot of controversy around it. There's a lot of reasons for people to delete it. And there's a lot of reasons that people are not going to delete it. And the reasons that people aren't going to delete it are going to outweigh it. And so it's just this unfortunate reality of when something becomes so ingrained in our society, it's really hard for a lot well, of us the, to just be like, difference delete. That I would, um, the difference that I would bring up is that the shitty things that Facebook does in no way impact your ability to use Facebook as you want to. Like, the, like timeline. If, I don't know, but you're still looking at the timeline. You're still talking with your friends. You're still able to see things like if Facebook Ooh. reduced, if Facebook took its virtual real estate on the page and said, 80% of this is now advertisements. And we're also going to sort of like put a watermark over everything your friends do. Like, mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe that if you ruin the use case of your product, you're going to lose people. Like, that's the other thing is that this movie had so many more interesting directions it could have gone. Like you said, it could have gone the Facebook route where it's like, we could start subtly data mining our customers and selling it to advertisers. Mm-hmm. We can then mm-hmm. create native in-game things. What if we started, like, having a McDonald's that you have to go to to buy a milkshake from every day so that you can get better armor? Like... It, there's an intelligent way to do it, and this movie is just a symptom of its laziness, both in its references and its storytelling, is that he's like, cognitive overload will happen at 80%, so at 70, we can fill 79% with nothing but glaring, obnoxious, 1985-style pop-up ads, and that's our evil <laughs> plan. And then Olivia Cook swings in, and she's like, welcome to the rebellion. You're rebelling against advertising, I guess? But, Jamie, but, to your original what? question... or. What we had originally said about like the world and its construction and how you said it just wasn't good. I just don't understand like how movement works. Like they show people in the mm. streets doing like fist fight moves and it's like, do you have to do that or are you just really into it? The treadmill makes sense, but other things don't. Yeah. In the book, everybody has that treadmill situation, which which also like <sighs> I think it's so interesting that IOI is so obsessed with taking over the mm-hmm. Oasis when they clearly fucking own all the hardware that people use <laughs> yeah. to yeah. interact with the Oasis. <laughs> like, like even to the point where there's a scuffle that breaks out over a pair of like branded gloves. And mm-hmm. if you look at the gloves, they say IOI on them and you're like, wait, you're part of the rebellion. You're rebelling against this company, but Every good thing that you buy that's like the best version for this Oasis reality is literally manufactured by IOI. It's like if Alienware really wanted to take over World of Warcraft. Like it just doesn't <laughs> I just don't think it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Do you think that part yeah. of the problem is that Steven Spielberg is kind of out of touch on 
this kind of stuff. 100%. He doesn't understand. There's there's no like motivation for anybody in this movie. There's no the stakes are relatively low and then nothing is explained because he probably and it, it can't just be his fault. Ernest Klein wrote the screenplay. It could have been explained. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But no, I think it, I think I think that you make a good point. I don't think that I don't know, but I'm fairly certain that Steven Spielberg just didn't have the knowledge base to say, like, I don't really think that any of this makes sense. I think he's sitting there reading this and he's like, well, the guy wrote the book. He must know what he's talking about. At the risk of, like, getting into, like, similar, like, <laughs> like a gamer pedantics, like, uh, I, I think there is something I, a really... You know, I, I think one of the larger discussions about video game movies so over the last, like, you know, I guess since video game movies have been made, is that there hasn't been any good video game movies. And, like, thinking specifically mm. about this movie, I, I think I, I'm, you know, it's funny that you mentioned, like, Second Life earlier, Brian, because, like, there is such a lack of understanding what people do when they're not like focused on these three challenges like like i get the sense that there are hubs for different things yeah but like there's no sense of like a chat network or anything like the only time we see other avatars interact with uh what's his name watts uh parzival yeah thank you (laughs) with in game he's parzival (laughs) oh with parzival z He's, yes. He goes by Z. That's right. It's when everybody mobs him, you know, in that one uh, at lobby. Right. But like, were they like, all just hanging out there because they thought he'd right. be there? Or like, I just like. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like all of that stuff. So like there, I, I think that, yeah, both of you are onto something too. Like, it's not just the parade of references and the way that they're, you know, it's smattered across the the frame. It's it's that like this world is never given anything other than like the autopilot ride that yeah. we're on for like you know it's it's the same problem with something like you know I, I guess this is a relatively niche reference but something like the movie ride where you're seeing like these uh you know still tableaus that are like you know perfectly reconstructed mm-hmm. but they're not you're, you're not seeing anything about the movie it's nothing about the emotions or the experience it's a you know it's a uh i it's it's a frozen piece of, of time without any context without any world that exists beyond the knowledge that you are in a and are mm-hmm. are supposed to follow this ride. To my mind, the biggest problem with this movie and the way that it it poises the oasis, and this is just like I know that this movie was probably shot like a year and a half ago, and they've been doing post pro on it since then. But like we've had so many things happen in this world and this country that seem like they could have fed really into a really interesting version of this story. Things like net neutrality things like data mining things like you want the p tape in here (laughs) feels like um uh white nationalists on twitter like this could like but this isn't this isn't the internet like you can't get news in the oasis like you can't 
order you order like things to help you use the oasis but like you can't walk into a pizza hut in the oasis and order a pizza hut from a pizza hut drone which they show in this movie and it just it feels like a a smart screenwriter (laughs) would have said let's take this concept and turn it into the internet which is something that like william gibson did back before the internet existed and I don't know how we've taken this step back, but like every person we see in it is in, involved in some sort of violent conquest, like a mother who is neglecting her child who's about to be immolated by a stove fire, sure. jumping on her couch. And it's just, it just feels like in the hands of a better screenwriter, they'd be like, what we're basically fighting for. Well, is, is that intentionally horrific or is that comedic? Like, I want to ask this question right here because I'm, <laughs> I'm curious. How did you guys read any of this stuff? As a I, father whose daughter refuses to not be in the kitchen with him when he is cooking, I was horrified. Um, <laughs> as it, And I just, yeah, like you were saying earlier, there's a... Uh, there's a weird I don't want to I'm not going to be that guy who calls it racist but a pretty racisty through line in this movie about Asian people um and it begins with the guy who tries to commit suicide and yeah I mean like yeah it seems kind of it feels like it's played for laughs but like I think a, a smarter way to do this movie would be to give it to David Fincher and make it a horrifying post-apocalypse, but no one realizes the apocalypse has happened because they're all in the Oasis. But isn't that what it is? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of asking. <laughs> I don't know. No, I would love... <laughs> because there's a revolution uh, for something. It's a what revolution. are they fighting I for? I guess there is. To keep the status quo, it seems like. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That seems, that seems awfully... Oosh. They're like they're um, like we're the rebellion, but like if you take it on the literal meaning of the words, they're conservative. Sure. Like Yes. They yeah. don't want anything to change. Yes. I yeah. have another they uh, want, I don't know if my question is a spoiler though. Uh you know what? We've been talking well, let's, for let's, let's, yeah, way let's too jump long. into it. Let's yeah. just do spoilers. So spoilers for Ready Player One. It's a terrible movie, and <laughs> I don't know if anyone should go see it. Um spoilers. Jamie, what is your question? They talk about this. I think they called it a loyalty program. Uh-huh. Ah, yeah. yeah. Um, she, what's her name? Artemis talks about how her dad got put in a loyalty program, and even when he got sick, they wouldn't let him out. Mm-hmm. And they just kept whatever. Work then she gets death. put in there, and so it's slave labor, I guess. Yeah, indentured servitude it's, type thing. It's debtor's but prison. Within <laughs> within the oasis, they're like building something with chargers and bombs i don't know that i don't know what they're doing before that but the only time we actually see that debtor's prison that that artemis ends up in is when they have the final clue and they're basically laying a lot of charges around the uh the planet doom they're basically digging that's Yeah, and that's that's what all those people are doing. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm not really sure what they're doing. Like, they, like they, they they're in once. like a, a five by five box, and it's yeah. just like okay. They appeared to be moving boxes from one shelf to the other. If you know, I haven't seen a mime show in a while, but but virtual <laughs> boxes, like yeah. not even real boxes. 
Which, like, couldn't you just get a botnet to do that for you a lot easier? Like, I imagine, I imagine that there is something similar to like World of Warcraft and some of these other games where you can literally mine coins mm-hmm. and, and, and 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 stuff <laughs> like that. And so I imagine because they mention like we can give you unlimited credits and you know they have people die and then just spawn right back up and die and then just spawn right back up and they have all the weapons and gear that they need so i imagine that there's literally thousands of people millions of people that basically spend their time just making coin for this company like moving shit around digitally that just like i guess is some kind of system of labor that people need done on like maybe they're building another world so people can go inhabit i don't know but everything that you're doing is headcanon it's not even canon it's nothing there's no evidence of any of that i 100 percent agree ioi appears to ioi the way that ioi operates appears to be we make peripheral devices for people who log into the oasis um I don't know if these people are paying for internet access or if there's like a nationwide 6G network or whatever. But then, so IOI is like, also, we extend a line of credit to people so that they can get new cool stuff. And then when they don't pay us back, we use them as slave labor. And the way that the movie resolves this thing where – and he's like, we opened six to seven new loyalty centers. <laughs> That's so right. like, So, like, this is apparently a thriving industry. Like, the U- current United States prison complex – I don't remember the percentage of people that we imprisoned, but it's massive. And apparently IOI is doing the same thing, and its success rates, you know, in quotes, are booming – and the way that they resolve this is Wade is like, once we, because they win, um, once we took control of the Oasis, you know, the first thing we did was ban loyalty centers from being able to access it. So are all of those people now just doing physical labor in the real world? Like, are they now like the people at Foxconn in China, like making iPhones? Because he didn't know. say that, like, we used our fucking immense wealth to pay off the debts of everyone in the loyalty center. He just says you can't access it anymore, which just means that your slave class now no longer has a way to pay off their debts. And they are now just a drag on the people who are keeping them prisoners. I believe the Oasis is free in the book. That's one of the big things about it is it's it's just freely accessible, which is why it proliferated so fast and so, so how easy. Does it make money? <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't make money. I don't. Maybe the I, point like, is like, that this it's is, not supposed to make money. But then how? This he, is this is all <laughs> monopoly that, money. This is this is all this is all this is all monopoly. It's a book that made by a like silly Netflix's white value. human. Yeah, it's it's a book He's made a by a trillionaire. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say to Jamie. Yeah, I know that you didn't write somehow. this, and I am not trying to. I'm not trying to put the onus on you. But you say maybe it's not supposed to make money. To that, I say I don't know. He has half a trillion dollars now. I know, but like everything else in this movie, that question has no answer because it doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, so he's a trillionaire. He signed away his company, or he took his company away from his from Simon Pegg. I don't completely understand either what went down with them. And 
so there's all this money, but from what? It's not from ads. No, is I it guess from it's licensing? From, it might be from like the but the artifacts you just win. So maybe like what is it? Gussifer Games? No, that can't be right. Gregarious. Gregarious, Gregarious Games. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Gossamer, but yeah. yeah Gregarious. Gregarious. Okay. All, we all had a different concept oh, of what the new word was. <laughs> Gregarious Games. Maybe they like just make stuff that you then have to buy. Like maybe that holy hand grenade, he paid money to Gregarious Games to get that. Oh, he, God. He I forgot about that. Okay. But, but now that we're in spoilers. And, and so, so, so. <laughs> Okay, well, but so Sorry. what you're basically saying is that these are like cell phone games where yeah. the like like you get oh you want an extra life well here pay twenty dollars in real money and you get this extra mm. life now or you can wait three hours and then you can get an extra life yeah so like my uh, wife, you want to build this thing fast I I will pay fifteen dollars to get this thing you want that character skin yes, you pay fifteen dollars does it point. do anything um, beneficial. Some of them do. No, but there's well, also the yes, kind of that you lose all your money when you die. When you die, because dying has to have stakes somehow. Um, so my yes. wife plays Call of Duty. She used to do it professionally, and so she's all up in this game world. And we, when when Call of Duty World War Two came out, this was around the whole time when like the loot crates were like a thing. And I don't sure. 100% know mm-hmm. what that was all about. And I don't want anyone here to try to explain it to me, but <laughs> basically she once said, I'm sick and tired of all these rich people getting the game opening day and spending mm-hmm. $300 to get the best guns and the best stuff and the best perks. And then running around mowing people down. Like they have the best, yes. like, the greatest amount of skill. Which well, is if, like, if it's a well-designed game, that should not be possible. Yeah, but the thing is, like, unfortunately, when these games come out, like, the first three months are kind of a wash. Like, she had sure. a grease yes. gun that was the first gun in that game, and it was the most powerful, accurate submachine gun in the world. And then one day, I came home, and I was like, you look upset. What's wrong? She's like, they finally nerfed the grease gun. <laughs> and I was like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Because, like, you know, these games with these massive amounts of people, it's hard to know exactly how the ecosystem is going to work out. So it takes a while to self-correct. Um, but, yeah, that, that mm. might be what g- g- Gruff Games... Gregarious. Let's change it every time. Gigantor Games. Grumble Puss Games. Grimace. Here's, here, I'm going to get real nerdy for a second. And oh, I want to talk more about my problem with the references. So, like I said, this movie suffers a fundamental lack of both fealty to source material and imagination. Um, there's a scene where he buys a holy hand grenade from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> and he throws it later oh, on in the movie. I'm sorry? Sorry, I... I've seen that movie once. I know it's a. I'm a terrible person. I've only seen it once, and the whole time You're I was fine. like, "I know I should know that. I know <laughs> See, I should like, know what you know, this is." This is this is just like he was saying. A fanboy always knows a hater. Come on. Oh boy. <laughs> I, it, I do not hate it. I have just only seen it one time. Well, this movie will also tell you that that means you're not a true fan. But this movie is terrible and toxic, and so it's okay. But so, so I love Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and so I he he takes the hand grenade out and throws it. Now, this is a fun thing I did last night. My wife also loves Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And so I said to her, 
He's in the middle of battle. He is out of all of his weapons except for the holy hand grenade. And he throws it. And then I said, what do you think happens next? And she says, well, obviously he has to count to three. And I said, no, it just explodes. And she was Mm. furious, as any person should be furious, because in any movie that's even vaguely clever, this is a perfect, like, beat for comedy, or at least, like, a further reference, because he could, like, say, oh my god, it hasn't exploded. Is it a dud? And his friend will be like, no, remember, you have to count to three, and then he could count to three, or he could count to three, and then it could still not explode, and then he could remember he has to count one, two, four, three, because that's what they did in the movie. And instead, haven't we become the evil now? Like by talking about this, haven't we become the thing that we never wanted to become? It's possible that I have now become the it. Yes, Michael. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is, if you're going to do this, maybe do it right. Like maybe, maybe like lean into it more. You know, like don't just give me a thing that looks like the holy hand grenade. Make it act like the holy hand grenade. Sure. And and I get that. Like, like if you're going to bring up geekery, just commit to it whole hog, whole hog. But I don't even know if I referenced that right or not. Whatever. I'm moving forward. Uh, and I think this kind of goes back to your insinuation that the Iron Giant is not used correctly in this film, Correct. which I I agree with wholeheartedly in that it is sad that someone is going to take away from this film whoa the iron giant's a badass and then go watch the iron giant and be like oh that movie's kind of sad you want to know my theory on the iron giant i would love to know your theory on the iron giant i think they wanted the terminator and they couldn't get it oh oh that's okay. That makes <sighs> sense because when he when he when she dies, when he, yeah, she does she the thumbs up. Thumbs up. That's just like right. She d- it does do the thumbs Which up. Which my okay, <laughs> I so noticed that, and you, I was like, ah! Jamie, that's actually a really good point because I remember I got home at like two a.m. this morning, and because of my horrible experience of this movie, anyway, so I get home. <laughs> wife is still up playing video games, and. <laughs> I talked to her about that and she loves the Iron Giant. She literally started thinking about the Iron Giant and cried because of the way that it ends. And I told her about that and we were both just furious because in addition to making the Iron Giant who commits suicide so as to save the population and in doing so says Superman because he is not a gun. Okay, I just felt a chill. Anyway, um, <laughs> to, to turn him into a death walker and then have him die and give the Terminator thumbs up is just like a double slap in the face to the idea of that character. And so I kind of like your your concept. I kind of like where your head's at there. And I wonder if that's true. Yeah, but it fought Mechagodzilla. And that was a dumb thing that I was into when I completely turned my brain off. Another, uh, Weirdly <laughs> enough, another updated version of a classic character. That is that is a good point, yeah. Just like, um, just like King Kong. And just like, did I see the Ninja Turtles, but they were Michael Bay's Ninja Turtles? It kind of did look like uh, yeah, that. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean they they should have just gone full retro and just been the it, like like I I don't I don't fucking understand like now now it's starting to make me mad because I don't understand how they have the fucking updated Ninja Turtles if this guy is uh just stuck in the eighties yeah his like, should be the I don't black and he his should either be the black and white original illustrations or they should be the cartoon 
But isn't you know? this yeah. make it more convincing that all of this was intentional when you think about how consistently they make these mistakes and like are continually cannibalizing the lamest parts of geek culture and like so. getting every it, get everything wrong like i don't, I, I don't no. know no i think I that it's just that no, they couldn't I get think, the rights or they're trying yeah. for synergy i think that Weird. they're playing to a younger audience mm-hmm. by getting yes. characters that a younger audience is going to recognize in the form that they would recognize them in Instead just, of playing to is, someone like me, I was a kid in the 80s. Hmm, a mm-hmm, little kid, okay. but I was a kid. So show me an original Ninja Turtle. Right. And like, that, yeah. that should be what this, this, this movie should have been a bunch of parents like my age taking their kids to be like, you know, here, get ready to see everything that I loved all in one place. And then we can pick and choose. But like this as a sampling platter of, of stuff that from my childhood this is like the worst possible sampling platter because everything is either poisoned on fire or vegan, you know? (laughs) And it's just like, I don't want that. Um, Another, this is another thing where I, this is another dumb thing, but it pissed me off. So they're talking about uh, Halliday's favorite um, first person shooter. Uh, Oh God, we're, (laughs) we're getting into this. I need to bring this up. I saw your letterbox. Who here played Goldeneye? hell yeah yeah okay no my video game experience is basically mario or nothing or old school (laughs) in the 80s stand up miss pac-man oh nice those are all still great (laughs) yeah so here's the thing i played goldeneye a lot as a child n64 was my jam goldeneye Uh you you had to be in the room to play with people you know you had up to four people yes you know no screen looking all that fun stuff Cardboard um, cutouts. I'm sorry, what was that? Cardboard cutouts <laughs> to make it split screen. Yeah. Real split screen. <laughs> so, oh, Jesus. So, so what happens is they say, like, what was his favorite shooter? And it was like, uh, Goldeneye. And I was like, oh, okay. What was his favorite character on it? And then, and then they said, odd job. And I was like, what? And then they said that his favorite mod was Slappers Only. Now, I don't know if I'm just crazy, but I feel like it was pretty much universally agreed upon that, any that you're an asshole if you pick a job. Yeah, any multiplayer game yes. with Goldeneye, yes. if you're on Slappers Only, especially, you are not allowed to pick Odd Job. Oh because yeah, odd yeah. Job slappers a- only with odd job is fuck you. We like, are a parody no, right now, guys. Like, come on. <laughs> I just, but this is the thing. If I'm supposed to take this movie seriously as an examination of fandom, you know, like if this were a movie about physics and they brought up the way that black holes affect gravity, and I knew a lot about that, I would talk about it. Are we back to a wrinkle in time? Yeah. But like, but as a movie that's about fandom, when I hear something that so specifically speaks to me, and then he said odd job and slappers only... And heaven help them if they were on The Living Daylights, which I'm pretty sure is the one that was like one hit, one kill. Then no wonder that Halliday had no friends. Because every every child in the neighborhood would have abandoned him because you are not allowed to pick Odd Job on Slappers Only. And so I don't know if I'm supposed to be like, oh, that's the thing. He never wanted the rules to apply to him and he was a dick or is it just that like <laughs> they picked some random shit out of a hat and they just so happened to pick the worst possible ones 
Well, isn't yeah, the, I don't I don't know if there were any first person shooters before the nineties. Probably not. But for a movie that leans so heavily into he was into the eighties stuff. Mm-hmm. For them to, you know, have specific references from the that was late nineties, right? I want to say mid nineties. I want to say like 97, I think, was. Yeah. Jesus. Like, this kind of goes back to the book itself because the book is fucking heavy, heavy. This movie is kind of heavy 80s in specifically like the music. And some of these other things mm-hmm. and and like even like the games, right? Like like they keep mentioning all these different games sure. like Joust and, and all this other shit. Um, but the book is holy fuck 80s. Like <laughs> it is it is granular 80s. It is talking about like what characters were wearing in Ferris Bueller's Day Off and and just like. But it is nothing 90s, nothing 90s, nothing 2000s, nothing 2010s, like none of that shit. So I don't know why they decided to update it, because if someone is so nostalgic for this time period, make it about that time period. And I think, Jamie, it's going back to what you're saying was they probably came to Ernest Klein and were like, look, we know you love the 80s. You you fucking bought and built a DeLorean. Like, of course you love the 80s. He did. Did but he we, really? We, God, he oh, sucks. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, but, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of impressed. <laughs> I, know, I know two people who are married who each have a DeLorean and they actually met because of their love of DeLoreans. They went to like DeLorean that's, Con or whatever and Oh my god, that's a thing <laughs> oh. I've been missing out. Alright, make me feel bad <laughs> now. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I will I will wrap this point up real quick. Um so I think Sorry, they though. basically went to Ernest Klein and they were like, look, we need to update some of these references. It can't just strictly be to the 80s because then we lose a a large percentage of our audience, right? And so I think he was like cool don't worry about it i got a lot of love for like 90s shit and maybe even some 2000s so bill what you're saying is that Ernest Ernest klein is actually the asshole who uses odd job on slappers only <laughs> more than likely oh, yes what a dick well i see my yeah. boyfriend read this book a couple of years ago and immediately it was like you need to read this because you love the 80s so much so you would love this book yeah it's it's such a send off to the like like truly if 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 that book doesn't convince you that Ernest Klein like knows and loves the eighties then nothing will but this this movie kind of gives that impression that maybe he also loves the Iron Giant but didn't fucking get it like you know so it's it's one of those things where it's like I I. I don't know, like, I, maybe maybe Jamie's right. Maybe they were just pushing for the Terminator and just couldn't get it. Because I think, like, okay, yeah. Freddy Krueger is in this movie. I believe there's, like, a Predator at some point. Um, well, all th- of there's obviously are, Chucky. All of those are Universal. Is, is this Universal? Is that right? I'm sorry, I can't remember the studio who this is. This is Warner Brothers. Or Warner Brothers, this I'm sorry. This is Warner Brothers. Yeah, like, I think almost everything is from Warner Brothers. I, I, I'm having trouble thinking of anything that's not warner brothers as far as references like i think predators warner brothers and i'm sure that that's why there's 
obvious gaps in what we would expect to be in a movie mm-hmm. like this as far as references go because they couldn't get the rights. But I would think if anybody could, it would be Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is I, why it, it was like such an obvious thing. I, I really do think they were playing to an audience that is not those of us that would be nostalgic for hmm. a big round rock rolling through a tunnel coming right at you. But even if it was just like across the street to kill some cars, you could still be like, <laughs> oh, that was the rock from yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like anything, but I'm not going to pick out a lot of the things they referenced I didn't even notice because it doesn't mean anything to me. But when they were talking about the high school from Breakfast Club, I fucking knew it was not the one he was saying. I knew it was Shermer hmm. High School. So, I don't know. I guess this movie wasn't for me. And I thought it maybe was because it's supposed to be all about the 80s and it's just not. Well, I'll tell you as a kid who was more 90s kid than 80s kid, it wasn't for me either because <laughs> I was furious at almost everything that I saw. And it's, um, yeah. I don't know. And then it ends. Also, I just didn't think that the animation or whatever it was was very good. No, it wasn't. And I, um, I don't know. I, I feel like... In Tintin, he, the the way that it freed his camera to move around was kind of fun, but again, only because the world itself was still slightly grounded by the rules of physics. And in this movie, it's just like, well, fuck it, we can do anything, and so it just becomes it just becomes harder to understand like what's going on and how everything works. And I, like, I just I don't know. It's I, it's just. It's just a bad movie, and it ends, and they win, and then they turn it off every Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> I, I think it's hard to say. It's that. it's fucking it's uh, what is it? It's uh, oh jeez, it's Chick Fil A. <laughs> they turned it into Chick Fil A without all the Jesus. Um, Michael, yes. you were gonna say? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I have something to say about that ending, real quick. But um, yeah, no, I think the animation, though, that like, uh, yes, I, I I think that. Uh, Kaminsky's color palette is is partly a problem here, but I I am going to disagree with you there, Brian, that you couldn't tell what's going on because I have to say, after watching two recent Marvel movies, like I I was so happy to see a clean like rhythmic camera where I could follow nearly everything going on, even if there was chaos. Like uh, like it's. It, it, I, it's sad that I have to say this, but like <laughs> so many blockbusters these days give me a headache. And I know I'm an old now, but like it's just <laughs> it's just the very fact when I can follow something, I get so excited. <laughs> so like the very the very fact that I felt like I was in good hands with Spielberg made some of those sequences okay for me until I realized two seconds later that like, Oh, the destination is still the same. Like there's yeah. never any turn coming. Like going back to what sorry, so what I want to say about that ending is like I, that uh, just holy shit, that last scene where the chair turns around and he and she's like in his arms is like this bizarre like they're all cuddled like up in their male cool fantasy brick. Yeah, yeah it's apartment. like a, it's like a male fantasy punchline that feels like it should be 
I don't even know, like this Twilight Zone ending and then cut right to credits. Like it, it's so, it's so unbelievably strange. Like that's why I, I think I'm, I'm, well, like, I'm finding of- this stuff more interesting is like, I'm just seeing so many times where I'm like, Okay, but Spielberg doesn't do this. Like, I kind of think that. So you he just made are like you're like in disbelief. It's like a friend has come back from like going somewhere, and you just refuse to believe <laughs> that he's suddenly like an evangelical Christian. Not you're necessarily, because like, I, I think this... The Post is a bad movie. Like, I think he can make bad movies. Yeah, and I don't think this is a good movie. But I think the ways that it plays into so many of these like wrote nostalgias like you know beyond like nostalgia of seeing you know fucking i don't know freddy krueger or chucky like that ending is nostalgic that ending is something we've seen in like infinite permutations like over the last 30 decades like over the last 30 years michael to, to your point what's even weirder is that i as a character don't believe that she would sit in his lap like that <laughs> Well, here's here's one thing to kind of ponder, okay? Uh, this character, Artemis, who's played by the lovely Olivia Cook, she tells him that in the game, he's, like, confessing his love for her, and she's like, you don't even really... Like, she tweaks him, and she sure. tweaks him good. She's like, she's like, you don't even know me. The only things that you have fallen in love with are the things that I'm showing you. Exactly. Literally, that's it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, they don't fucking run with that at all. No. Because the book never runs with it either. And then he's like, um, baby, I don't but, care if you've got a red stain uh, uh, over uh, one. Uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. So, so this whole character is based on like, she mentions that he won't like, he won't find her as attractive as he does in the game. Right. And so he finally sees her in the real world. He sees her, her, uh, red birthmark. I can't remember what it's called. It's like a wine, wine stain or or something like that. I can't Uh, remember what it's called. Um, but so he sees her birthmark. He says he does, he, he thinks he, she's just as pretty as, as, he ever thought she was, even though this is, this is the first time she's fucking seen her. Um, and then from that point on, I don't know if y'all noticed, but her hair is no longer parted over that part of her face. She's revealed the stain and it's like, are you fucking kidding me? She's grown <laughs> up hiding this thing. One person says, I don't care. You still look beautiful. And all of a sudden she's going to fucking like reveal it. No. What I'll, the fuck? Can I one up you on that? <laughs> yes. Did you notice sure. that her avatar later had the stain over her eye? Oh my yes. god! Yes. I, I noticed that as well. I noticed that as well. I was just like, "Are you fucking kidding me with this movie?" Like seriously, like the one guy says, "No, baby, you're beautiful," and all of a sudden she just thinks she's beautiful. That doesn't happen. Like it takes a lot of fucking time for yeah. someone to grow up fearing that people are going to think they look bad because of this this birthmark on their face and then one person says it one time and all of a sudden it's like cool i guess i'm beautiful it's like no that didn't fucking happen not that quick (laughs) it's like 10 minutes after that moment that they meet in real life too which is kind of 
like adds to the bizarreness of that scene that its only conclusion is the birthmark and they're like instant attraction despite non-existent chemistry. <laughs> what did you guys think of Ty Sheridan as the lead? I don't like his mouth. Is that a weird thing to say? <laughs> no, because I thought that too. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> I wanted him to close his mouth. Yeah, or like stop stop <laughs> pursing your lips. Like, I don't know. It, there's something He's just something always like his mouth. mouth agape. Like he doesn't know how to act without looking bewildered a god yeah. <laughs> yeah. the funny thing is that like it made me appreciate the oasis scenes more just because i was like okay now i can look at this final fantasy avatar instead of his gaping mouth <laughs> which is probably not what he wanted <laughs> i mean i've heard he's good in mud i haven't seen mud mud's excellent and yeah Mud's he's good, good in it so it i don't think it's him necessarily i think it might have been poor direction i did look up while while you guys were talking that they did shoot in mocap for seven to eight weeks oh okay in motion capture so i don't know maybe they needed andy circus on set to teach them how to do this yeah like why 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 would you do that though i just don't understand like how much of this movie is just cgi bullshit of them like doing all this stuff like did he sit in a cockpit and like push buttons on a fake car like what what did he do like he's he's i don't know like (laughs) uh, to bring it back Um, so so another thing, uh, uh, you know what? Actually, I'm I'm tired and I don't care. Michael, what were you gonna say? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say something about like how the movie doesn't engage with the concept of an online and an in person like reality, and sure. so like they meet these people and like one of them is a girl and one yeah. of them is eleven, but like one of them isn't like crippled with anxiety. Or like uh, you know, sure, one or, of them isn't fucking handicapped. Like what? why not just make them handicapped? No, just, like, no, like physically stop with the physical shit. Like give me some, give me someone who's like in the real world. Sure. Is like, oh, I don't know. Like I, you know, maybe we could go to like Chipotle. But if you really want to do Moe's instead, we can do that. But in the game world, is like, guess what, motherfucker? We're about to take yeah. that hill. Now strap on some fucking ammunition and let's go kick some ass. Like, but that's, that's what I want. Sure, that's nuance that is non-existent <laughs> anywhere in this movie. Yeah. Well, That's yes. character development, which also is non-existent in this movie. Right. Like if you if you like again, in my in my better pitch for this movie, where he's like a historian or a biographer who is like, oh, you know, I guess I'll go into the oasis now and see if because maybe I can figure it out because I know his life. And then Artemis is like, you know, you don't know shit about 80s movies. And he's like, but I know everything there is to know about this guy. And then he has to slowly like find himself, mm. but then he's like at gunpoint in the real world and artemis is like you you kick ass in the video game now like figure it out and do it in real life and he's like but you know that's not real and it's like but that's why it's even more important you should do it now and he's like god damn it artemis you're right and then he probably gets murdered because he's still not incredibly good at fighting (laughs) but like you know at least at least that's something but like no one grows or changes well i think to bring it back to well, no one grows or, or changes, but I, I think to bring it back specifically to Ty Sheridan, like I, I again, I, it's not that the production was troubled in this, but there are parts of this movie that feel so out of sync with 
the modern climate, which I think we've talked about a little bit already. But I mean, I think Ty Sheridan's character is super emblematic in general about that. You know, the, the fact that, you know, you have uh, Lena Waithe from, you know, I guess Master of None is probably your biggest credit. Uh, Lena Waithe as his best friend who turns out to, you know, be a potentially queer coded woman. Like, like it's those things as well as what you were saying, Brian, about the two ninja characters who are his friends who turn out to be an Asian teenager and Asian child. Like, like it's those things that feel so, uh, disconnected to our current moment to understanding anything about, uh, identity politics or anything about, who people are beyond like surface things like like it's it, it's it's interesting that like as you're saying that it, it doesn't it is so far away from that stuff let alone even having something like someone who is really shy in real life compared to being really talkative online like it, that's that's the things that feel so strange to me like this movie could have been released in the 80s. You know, yeah. it, it it doesn't have, you know, uh, someone... It's not updated. Yeah. But, th- but there's none of, like, the... It, it's toxic, but it's also not truly toxic in the way that, you know, Revenge of the Nerds, for instance, has uh, essentially rape. Yeah. <laughs> I, I played as, like, an extended gag. Like, like, that's what's so strange about this, is it is calling back to so many of these things. And this regressiveness... But like, it's not even, it's not even like any of that is included. Like, like it would almost be more understandable if this movie was more explicitly problematic, if that makes any sense. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I might be losing my point Michael, I can feel this movie eating at your soul from the inside. (laughs) I I know, I know, I know. I am. What I was also going to say is like, this movie doesn't embrace the fact that the the internet has not made us more of a monoculture. It has in fact broken us out into niches. And so like, you'd think Mm -hmm. that there'd be a point where they'd be like, oh fuck, we've got to go talk to the horror junkies. And Some escape from New York like, shit. What was that? <laughs> Some escape from New York shit. Yeah, you you'd think that they'd have they'd be like, oh, okay, well, like we have to go into the Shining, which they do in this movie, and you'd think that they'd be like, man, you know, I've seen the Shining, but I don't know it that well. And it's like, well, we can either go to the Stephen King fans or the horror fans, and they're like, well, the Stephen King fans, you know, what <sighs> if we have to break up and like go and talk to them independently, and then like you go to a place that's nothing but like Dairy, Maine. And then you go to another place that's like Dracula's castle or some nonsense. And that could be they terrible have like, or great, but this movie sounds way more interesting than the one we got. Uh, you know what? Maybe, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write it. I'm going to write this movie. <laughs> Good luck. I'm going to call it a better Ready Player One because I lack fundamental creativity. Ready Player Two. Yeah. Um, huh. <laughs> I had a friend who um, had a little side band call it was all about video games and it was called insert coins so maybe you can borrow that name yeah i was gonna say like you know i can do that or like what it like press start to begin you know Mm, give me your quarter no bill that's a terrible name um (laughs) (laughs) i just you know i just like there's like i said there's a billion ways to make this more interesting and it feels like you know, this was a soft pitch down the middle that then they didn't even bother to put any real swing behind to steal Bill's analogy from earlier. Now, Michael, what you may not realize is that 
a soft pitch right down the middle puts the ball <laughs> in the perfect place for the batter to put a lot behind it, which means they swing really hard and they can possibly get a home run, which is what we talked about earlier when the guy is able to go all the way around the bases. Uh, oh, and then you you go around the bases and do you get like do you win if yeah, you like you get, make uh, it to you get the end? What is known as a run, um, and that is a point. But anyway, uh, thanks, I'm thanks, saying, fucker. <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is they gave him a very easy goal, and he he went for it with the least amount of effort that he could, and therefore the results equal that. I knew single. I just didn't know line drive. Jeez. Uh, Michael. Anyway. (laughs) So, so... You're from Chicago. America's game. What is this about? I know. I was about to say. I live right by Wrigley, too. (laughs) You're too close, man. Um, Okay. We we should wrap up soon. Yes. Uh, is there anything I feel like I've gotten all of my rants out of the way if anyone wants to know about my horrible theater experience find me on Twitter and I, I have a whole thread about it it's hilarious at some point I became Cormac McCarthy while writing it um, is that are there any are there any final are there any final thoughts about this like anything that we haven't touched on any other pitches for press start to begin no hmm. I'm ready to delete this movie from my memory. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it's weird that I was going to say I like this movie more than I like the book, but now after talking about it, I think I like the book more. How has that happened? I don't know. I'm I'm very confused about where my life is right now. Oh, maybe the book actually has purpose and explains things where this just didn't explain anything. Yeah. You know what's crazy? Yeah. Here's something I just remembered. Does, does anyone else remember that, like, for a while, Christopher Nolan was rumored to be directing this? No, no that, that would have been awful. terrible. I just, that can't, ima- awful. I I just actually, can't imagine that. I think that it would have solved no Brian. no it would have solved one of the problems that we have which is no one understanding how this fucking technology works he made inception yes and i perfectly understand the rules of no, the dream machine that, of inception mm, nah mm, nah mm. <laughs> he would have introduced no. some kind of daddy issue too which we didn't need <laughs> Spielberg's all about that and, too. And someone, someone's got a dead wife. Someone's got a dead wife. What's, yeah, yeah, I was about Somewhere. to say Ty Sheridan was married and she's dead. Um, well, I mean, Steven Spielberg introduces the fact that this kid's an orphan and then blows up his aunt and uncle. All of his movies are about yes. daddy issues. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say like Nolan would have made it more about that. But yeah, like Nolan would have been terrible with all the references and stuff. But I feel like at the very least. Nolan would have set up the technology better. I think that the rest of the movie would have somehow been worse, which is pretty crazy because this movie is already like one star for me. But um, I do think that he has the ability to get across like complex systems and narratives in a way that this movie doesn't even try to do. And I I feel like his obsession with that would have forced him to do it. It probably still would have starred Mark Rylance. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he would have. He would have. It, it, um, it, it would have. I'm sorry, Bill. Are we going to go for the uh, same joke? Are you about to say uh, Riley Keoghan instead of? No, I was going to say Tom Hardy would have been as the uh, the hitman character, oh but he would have just had his his mouth covered the entire Wouldn't time. It? Oh so. my god, it would have been fucking amazing because they're both Warner Brothers films. If Tom Hardy played Bane 
as the mm-hmm. Hitman character. <laughs> uh, oh, it's Barry Keoghan. Okay. Barry Keoghan and Ty Sheridan look almost exactly the same. And so he could have oh, had a, a Barry Keoghan and Mark Rylance reunion in this movie. You know, oh, is that the guy from Dunkirk? Yeah. Okay. You know what I just okay. realized? Yeah. Nolan might have made this movie better because you wouldn't have been able to hear any of the dialogue. Also true. <laughs> Very oh, true. And um, I dropped the mic right there. <laughs> and we're out. Um, so oh, that's boy. it. That's our thoughts on Ready Player One. Um, it's a <laughs> terrible movie for terrible people. Um, thank you for listening. This has been an absolute blast. Uh, let's talk real quick about the fact that you can give us money at patreon.com slash the film stage show. Uh, $1 is all we ask per episode and you get access to our Slack channel where you can hear more of this fun, well, hear it. You can read more fun banter like you've heard today and um, get entered into win uh, raffles and stuff. Uh, again, that's patreon.com slash the film stage show. And of course, there's movie where you can either watch acclaimed French filmmaker Philippe Garel's love trilogy, I'm sorry, trilogy of love, or you can check out Harmony Corinne's Mr. Lonely and Trash Humpers. Didn't also recently... the also the difficult to find uh, Godard and Ziga Vertov collaborations, which I think are leaving relatively soon. So I just wanted to mention yeah. that real quick. Didn't we have someone on recently who talked about how much they love Trash Humpers? Uh, it's Scout. <laughs> yeah, that was Scout. Um, so good, good synergy there. Anyway, Very Scout check it movie. Out. <laughs> Go to movie.com, mubi.com slash film stage for your free 30 day trial of movie next week we'll probably be talking about a quiet place uh the new film by oh, yeah. john krasinski it's a horror movie should be great anyway uh but, uh, but in a, yeah but i'm sorry this has fried my brain and i've forgotten how to talk apparently <laughs> that's it for now uh jamie smith thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me i hope you have me back for a movie that's good that i enjoy talking about <laughs> Now, we have this thing where if we get someone on for a bad movie, we just keep bringing them on as a subtle form of torture. <laughs> Man, have me on for terrible. the Avengers. Uh, I have no problem with that. Um, well, God, we're really going to have to fucking talk about the Avengers, aren't we? Two hours and 30 minutes. No, you want to hear me talk a lot and excitedly have me on for the Avengers. I'm what if we fan. just I'll let you do the her whole there. podcast on your own? <laughs> It would be a lot of talk about Black Widow and probably Bucky and Cap. I endorse this. I'm just going to tell you to record a one and a half hour stream of conscious rant about the movie and then we'll publish it. (laughs) It won't be a rant. It'll be a glowing review because I love them. Rants can be positive. (laughs) Can a rant be positive? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't know, Um, but you've certainly had your share <laughs> i feel like i've done some rants of positivity before not recently but seems like it's definitely. an oxymoron if you call it a positive rant <laughs> a rabid rant uh, <laughs> a rabid rapturous start rant referring to things as positive rants <laughs> it, okay so according to the dictionary speak or shout which is what i usually go for at length in a wild impassioned way Okay. Now I just feel rant. like like it's generally negative. It is generally negative. You know what, Bill? I'm taking it back. <laughs> You're not going to reclaim it. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm taking back rant. I'm only going to refer to a rant when people say positive things. Anyway, we got to get out of here. Holy shit! We need mind. to stop talking. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
Jamie, why don't you tell the fine people at home uh, where you can be found oh. on the internet? Well, you can find me on three separate podcasts, The Constant or Unspoiled The Constant, which is about loss, The Undeclared Vampire Diaries and Undeclared The Punisher. I'm on Twitter at It's Jamie, and that's I-T-S-J-A-I-M-E. And Facebook. Sometimes. Oh, <laughs> sometimes. Um, oh, uh, and you can, you can you know, go to Facebook and put in Unspoiled Podcasts and check out some of the other stuff that we have because there's lots of shows. There's something for everyone. Excellent. Or unspoiledpodcast.com. All right, Bill Graham, what about yourself? Uh... I don't, I didn't, I forgot to <laughs> do anything clever. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can also find Twitter. me on Facebook. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Bill is, um, our, is our star Gunter. We didn't even talk about the term Gunter. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to give me swift no death. No, oh, no egg, egg hunter. Egg hunter. Okay, I gotcha. I don't know why I'm that. Um, you can find me. Uh, watching Gremlins on Twitter uh, later this month or what? next month? Yeah, next month. <laughs> I don't know. Why? I'm done. <laughs> all right. So Bill's at oh, Cable BFG uh, right. on Twitter. Uh, Michael, uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at, at @snidel, where I'll be searching for non-virtual Easter eggs tomorrow. And uh, I'm mm. also on Letterbox uh, at Snidel. Yeah, this is crazy. Like, I spent my my Good Friday, you know, in a fucking movie theater watching this. And I'll, at some point I thought, you know, this is the day that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ died and I'm watching this fucking movie. And now it's Holy Saturday and we're podcasting about it. I really need to have this up before it ruins my Easter. Um, <laughs> you can... You can uh, go and read my live tweet of the worst theater experience I've ever had uh, on Twitter at Brian J. Rowan. Um, you can find me on Letterboxd under the same. And uh, that's uh, my personal site, dearfilm.net. And of course, I write over Patreon. at thefilmstage.com. And uh, yes, Bill, patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow. We still have one more classic movie podcast hopefully coming. <laughs> Yeah, and then we've got another one coming right after that because we're still one month behind. Anyway, Uh. ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. And tune in next time.